Uh, good morning, everyone. I've never met you before. My name is Matt, and uh, you've probably worked out that we're coming towards the end of our series in the book of Galatians, and this morning we're thinking about what it means to uh, live in freedom, live in true freedom. Just to get us thinking about that a little bit, we're going to watch a, a classic scene from a classic movie. I am William Wallace, and I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Right? Against that? No! We will run! And we will live! Alright? Fight and you may die. Run! And you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Please grab it and turn over to Galatians chapter 5. And uh, if you've got a Bible like this one, it's on page 825, or you can watch it on the screen. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised... Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and who kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I am still preaching circumcision... Why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, Watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, 
selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Thanks, Deb. Please keep your Bibles open at that point in Galatians chapter 5. There's also a, uh, an outline on the back of the bulletin. Uh, you'll give it at the door if you find that helpful just to know where we're up to. Before we um, take a, a closer look at that passage, uh, let's ask God for his help. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, it cuts us deep to the heart, it cuts us uh, deep to our souls, it cuts us deep in our minds. Father, we pray that through your spirit uh, that you would be working in us uh, through your word, the sword of the spirit, changing us to be more like your son Jesus, reminding us of the freedom that we have in him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have really, really great freedom here in Australia, don't we? It's uh, a place that's really envied by a lot of the world because of the freedoms that we have. You know, we have the freedom of speech and opinion. We have the, the freedom just to meet together like this without the threat of persecution and open up God's word, the Bible. We have the freedom to live wherever we like in this country. Uh, the freedom to information and opinion and expression. The freedom from forced labour. And they're just some of the freedoms that we enjoy in this country, aren't they? You see, we have great freedom here in Australia. We live in a very, very free country. And recently, uh, we remembered those who gave up everything so that we'd enjoy the freedom that we, we have. Uh, November 11, uh, Remembrance Day, if you're into numbers and numbers is your thing, it's actually 11 days today from the 11th of the 11th. So we can have a double remembrance. We can remember... Uh, those who gave up so much, who sacrificed their life so that we could have and enjoy the freedom that we do in this country. But perhaps as those who have really only ever known freedom in just this sense that we, we have it in Australia, in this kind of political sense, maybe we don't really understand how good freedom really is. Maybe we don't really understand just the wonder of freedom. Uh, perhaps for those who've lived under a, oppression or a tyrannical government or those who've been enslaved in some way, maybe they really, really know what it's like to live in freedom. And it's interesting with what's going on in the world at the moment, isn't there, where uh, perhaps our sense of freedom and especially freedom from fear is starting to become interrupted because of all the, the terrible attacks that have happened. You know, the attack that happened in Paris, the worst one since... Uh, World War II for that country. Perhaps uh, our freedom for fear has taken a bit of a hit in thinking, well, when might it happen for us? But perhaps we don't really understand true freedom because we've just enjoyed it for so long. Uh, when I was at college in Sydney, there was a guy who came over from the Middle East just to study for one year at Bible college from the Middle East. And I remember sitting with him at lunchtime and he was about to head home 
And he, he said, everything that you have here in Australia, it's just amazing. You live in such a free country. You know, I'm going to jump on a plane soon and head home where I'll probably be alienated from my family. I'll have the, the threat of persecution, the threat of being thrown into jail because of sharing the good news of Jesus with people. Maybe we, we don't really understand true freedom because that's all we've ever known. Well, hopefully this morning, from chapter 5 in Galatians, we'll understand the freedom, the great freedom that we have as Christians. Uh, often we don't feel like we're free, though, do we? Certainly the, the popular perception of Christianity in our society is that, well, it just puts more shackles on you than gives you freedom. You know, why would I go to church and listen to other people who are just going to tell me what to do? Why would I go to church when it's going to interrupt my free time? Uh, I mean, even as Christians, we don't uh, often feel free. We often see families coming back from the beach on a Sunday morning. I think, gee, that would be that would be really free, wouldn't it? Just to spend the day at the beach. Uh, perhaps we we see freedom more as you know getting to sleep in on a Sunday morning. Often, even as Christians, we don't feel free, and it's easy for us to lose sight of the freedom that we have in Jesus. So, my hope this morning is that from God's word, we'll come to see just how great how wonderful and how precious the freedom that we have in Christ really is. So what exactly is the freedom that we have as a Christian? What exactly have we been freed from and what have we been freed for? You see, Paul begins chapter 5 there with a command, an assertion for uh, the chapter, and it really shows us the two opposite ways to live in the freedom that Christ has won for us from here. Uh, so just have a look at this opening statement that Paul says, verse 1, how we've been set free as Christians. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now here in verse 1, Paul reintroduces this idea of Christian freedom. He, he's built uh, around this statement from everything that he said before in Galatians 1 to 4. And he builds on the fact that Christ has brought freedom to those who have been enslaved under the law. You see, the people at this time that Paul writes to, they'd been under this harsh schoolmaster, this really tough headmaster, the, the law of Moses. They'd been slaves under the law of the Jews, but it wasn't only from the law of Moses that Christ had set them free. Well, he, Christ had also set them free from the gods of this world that they were following. And they had been slaves to them as well. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Quite literally, uh, it's for freedom, Christ freed you. Kind of can tell the emphasis there that he's getting. For freedom, Christ freed you. You see, this is the same freedom that Paul talks about back in chapter 2, that Jesus has set us free from the burden of us, ourselves, trying to make ourselves right with God. Jesus offers us a free relationship with God because of his death and resurrection. And we've heard Paul say over and over and over and over again like a broken record that it's not about keeping the Old Testament law. It's not about keeping the, you know, the Ten Commandments and, and the, the law of Moses and all that stuff that was going to make you right before God. No, no. We're made right before God. We're justified before God. It's just as if I'd never sinned before God all because of what Jesus has done. And so Paul gives the command here, stand firm. Stand firm in that freedom that Christ has won for you. It's this kind of military term to keep alert, be strong, resist attack, stick together in the freedom that Christ has won for you. 
And we know that the reason Paul gives such a strong command is because there are these false teachers going around there in Galatia and they're threatening to rob the believers of their freedom. They're going around saying crazy stuff. And they're going around saying that it's all about what you do on the outside. It's all about living from the outside in that's going to make you right with God. Here's here's what he says, verse 2. These guys, this is what they're saying. Mark my words, Paul says to the Christians in Galatia, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law, we have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. So here are these false teachers, these tricksters in Galatia, and they're saying that you need to live from the outside in in order to be right with God. But Paul goes on to say, no, 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 you've got to safeguard your freedom. Living from the outside in, that's, that's not how to live as someone who's been won such great freedom through Jesus. And uh, these lunatics, these crazy guys saying this stuff, are actually called the circumcision group, as uh, Paul refers to them back in chapter 2. The circumcision group, what a name for a group, hey? Um, I've noticed that at the school there are often different groups you can see among the students. Like you kind of walk past and go, okay, yep, there. They're the computer nerds. They've got the Game Boys and they're kind of defragging their hard drives. Uh, there's the musos. They've got the, the really long hair. They kind of speak a little bit slower, walk a little bit slower. They've got the guitars swinging off the, uh, around their back. And then there's the sport jocks who are constantly passing the football around over the top of people, under people's legs, around the building. And then uh, there's a whole bunch of all different groups. Um, there's uh, really great Christian students as well who are following Jesus at school. And, uh, you know, imagine, right, imagine that, you know, you're back at school and you're seeing all these groups and you come across this group, the circumcision group. It'd be very interesting. Uh, they're walking around with the Old Testament in hand and uh, they're just going around saying, well, you must do this, you must do this, you must do this in order for you to be right with God. That's what this group is saying. If you do stuff... If you keep the Old Testament law, if you're circumcised, well, you're going to get brownie points with God, you'll be right with him. You see, in the Old Testament, uh, Israel, this nation that God chose to be his people, for no other reason but just because he loved them, Israel were meant to be different to all the other nations around them. And so to remember God's promise that God was their God and Israel were God's special chosen people, what they went through was circumcision. And all it meant was to be this outward symbol that showed that as a people, they belong to God. But you see, a few hundred years on, and now we get to the book of Galatians and this letter that Paul writes, and these tricksters are going around saying, well, you know, you have to be circumcised to be right with God. Paul just screams, no, 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 no. It's not about living from the outside in. Remember the freedom that you've been won through Jesus? Remember... Uh, what Jesus has won for you, that you're free from the burden of slavery, of uh, living by the law. Have a look at Paul says how we're made right with God. This is how Paul says we safeguard the freedom that we have, not by thinking it's from the outside in. This is what he says, verse 5. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith. It's expressing itself through love. 
See, this is the only way that we have freedom. This is the only way we can be made right with God. It's through Jesus. It's always only ever been about Jesus. Nothing more and nothing less. It's only ever always about Jesus that we're made right with God. It was never about the law of Moses that was going to make people right with God. You see, the law always pointed to our sin, our rejection to God, and our need for a saviour. See, on the inside, we have sin. We, we push God out of the picture and we live the way that we want to. And obviously there's consequence for that because God is our loving ruler of the world and because of sin, because of rejecting his rule, we have the consequence of the end of death. And God says, no, I want to be in a relationship with you but because of your sin, well, there's a divide. And so here's Jesus, here's my son, fully God, fully man, who lived a perfect life. He died in your place so that you won't need to face the punishment for your sin. See, Jesus turns everything upside down. It's only ever always about Jesus, how we're made right with God. It's only ever always about Jesus, who has won us freedom. It's not about us living from the outside in. We can never ever do enough good to be right with God. I reckon there's people that will say, you know, you just... You've got to do the good things so that in the end, you know, God will be happy with you. You've got to do, do, do. Make sure you're doing all the, all the right stuff. You know, there's often people will say, you've got enough good in you just for God to be pleased enough. Surely that's going to do in the end. You know, I, I reckon that I actually fall into the trap myself of thinking that. You know, there are things that I often do. I think, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty all right here. You know, I try not to swear. I try to work the hardest I can, you know. My work is even about helping others. I love my wife, my kids. I go along to youth group on Friday night and I meet up with guys to read the Bible. I go to church every Sunday, most Sunday. But if I ever think that all these things are going to make me right with God on the inside, that my heart is somehow free before God, that somehow this is how I need to live because of the freedom that God has won us through Jesus. Well, it's just like trying to put toothpaste back into the tube. You ever tried that? It's impossible. Often my daughter's going to leave the toothpaste kind of hanging around everywhere. I think, well, this is a bit of a waste. Can't really scoop it on. I'll try and put it back into the tube. No, it doesn't work. You see, if we ever think that all these things are going to make us right with God, well, we just can't do it. We're hopelessly inept. And people have had this idea for so long that you need to live from the outside in. That's what you need to do to show that you have freedom. That's how you need to live to be right with God. But what God says himself, well, it's, it's never about living from the outside in. And so for Paul to think that these Christians in Galatia were being told, you've got to do stuff so that God will be pleased, well, it just makes him so, so angry that he says about this circumcision group, well, I just wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Very, very strong and fiery words, aren't they? That's not about what you do from the outside in. Why don't you just go the whole way? Cut the lot off. It's terrible. It's such strong words from Paul. He's saying, no, 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 it's not about living from the outside in. Remember the freedom that you've won. They've been won for you in Jesus. This is something really I think that we need to get straight. That the things, somehow thinking of the things that we do are going to win us brownie points with God. See, as, as you grow up and you get older and people say to you, well, you know, it's good that you're a Christian. You're a good person. God will be happy with you. I'm sure he'll give you a special reserve place in heaven. No. See, it's thinking 
you know, or maybe it's the things that you do that make you right with God. That's what Paul says, where you've abandoned the grace, the undeserved kindness that God has shown you in giving you his son Jesus so you'd have a relationship with him, so you could have true freedom, freedom from thinking that's by the law that's going to get us saved, thinking that we have to live under the law of Moses. You see, we're not doings, are we? We don't believe, we're not doings. We don't believe it's what we do on the outside that gets us right with God. And and this might be all a bit hard to take because maybe you've come here this morning just grown up with your parents saying, you know, make sure you follow the law in the Bible. Make sure you just rock up the church every week. It's going to get you into heaven. Maybe it's grandparents. Maybe it's brothers and sisters. I think we need to remember this. That it's only Jesus. It's only ever always about Jesus. It's about him and not us. So if we've been given this true freedom through Jesus, if we've been set free from living under the law of Moses, if we've been set free from that burden, if we've been set free from uh, the consequence of following other gods in this world, well, what does it mean to live in that freedom? What's it going to look like to live in that freedom? What's it going to look like to be uh, to live for what we've been freed for? This is what Paul uh, reckons, verse sixteen. Just there, verse sixteen. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. You see, what does it look like to live in the freedom that Jesus has won for us? What does it look like to live as sons and daughters, as children of God? Well, it all has to do with the Holy Spirit. You see, as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. It's crazy to think that, isn't it? It's just so profound that God is actually now living in us when we trust in Jesus. And if you're a Christian, then as it says there, you've got two lives going on. And you can think that you know, in the red corner, you've got the sinful nature who's wanting you to do whatever you want. And he's kind of boxing away. Come on, come and do, what you, come and do the things that you want to do. But then the Spirit is going, no, no. Look to Jesus. Look at how much he's done for you. And so the Spirit's boxing away against the sinful nature. And the Spirit, the, the job of the Holy Spirit, he looks at Jesus and says, I, I love Jesus. I desire Jesus. That's, that's the strong language that we get of what the Spirit does. That It's an over-desire. You see, in verse 17, for the sinful nature over-desires all the things that we want to do, but yet the Spirit over-desires Jesus. He says to Jesus, I love Jesus. Look at him. This is who you need to follow with your whole life. This is the one who died for you on the cross. This is the one who's brought you freedom from being enslaved to the law of Moses, from being enslaved to the little G-gods of this world. You see, as people have been given true freedom in Christ, that means living from the inside out, to live keeping in step by the Spirit as he points us to Jesus. You see, if you're a Christian, we've got God's Spirit 
His Holy Spirit living in you. As you look at God's Word, as we talk to God's uh, talk to God in prayer, the Holy Spirit just shines it on Jesus, and He says, "Here is Jesus. I love Him. Look to Him. Look at what He's given you." And really, what we get next is uh, what it doesn't look like specifically to live in freedom. What it doesn't look like specifically to live in the freedom that Jesus has won for us. Uh, it's pretty obvious when you're living the way you want and not for Jesus. And these things really start to creep in. It says there, the acts of the sinful nature, verse 19, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, writes Paul, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's pretty obvious when you're not living in the freedom that Jesus has won for you, isn't it? It's pretty obvious to see that it's just living the way you want. Now, sexual immorality, impurity, or debauchery, you know, giving in to anything that just feels good. Now, free to do what I want any old time kind of thing. It's pretty obvious when we're living the way we want and not for Jesus. Idolatry and witchcraft, you know, letting the little G-gods of this world kind of take over our life and take the place of God. It's pretty obvious when we're living the way that we want and not in the freedom that Jesus has won for us because there's more things in verse 20. Hatred, discord, you know, never agree with others, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissent, dissensions, you know, violently disagreeing, Factions, envy. They're hating on people because they're just not giving you what you want. It's pretty obvious to see that what it looks like specifically when we're not living in that freedom that Christ has won us because it's just simply living the way that we want. Drunkenness, orgies and the like. You know, just going out and getting drunk on the weekends, not letting God's spirit work in you, pointing you to Jesus and what he's done. I think it's obvious to ourselves, and usually it's as plain as the nose on our face, but maybe sometimes it can show on the surface that we're going okay, can't it? You know, mostly these things are, are things that you can really just kind of hide away and, and sweep under the carpet. And so perhaps you're really struggling to remember Jesus. Or perhaps you're really struggling to live in the freedom that Jesus has won for you, living from the inside out. You know, maybe you're struggling with something that's dragging you away from Jesus. If, if you are this morning, please grab your growth group leader, grab one of the elders and just say, hey, this is what's been going on. I'm really, really finding it hard to live in the freedom that Jesus has won for me. And too often as Christians, I think that we can just say, oh, it's all right. I'm just going to push it away. We don't let others know about it. And before long, the damage has already been done. And the, the scary thought there is that if we shut God out of the picture, well then the consequence is that he shuts us out. We're cut off from God forever. You see, that's what, we ha- that's what happens if we live for self and not live in the freedom that Christ has won for us. I love a good uh, prison break story. Uh, I love watching uh, prison kind of break movies like Shawshank Redemption and all those kind of uh, movies. There was this uh, story I heard recently of a Sydney guy in prison, who um, wanted to break out of prison, and he decided that uh, 
when the van that comes along to deliver bread to the prison, uh, to the prison he was going to jump under the, the hood of the van. And so he does that, jumps under, the, guy, the driver jumps in the van, takes off, goes for a bit of a ride. He gets out when the, the van stops. He's you know, all hot and dirty and greasy and a bit smelly like oil. And he finds that uh, where he's landed is in another prison, in the yard of another prison. He didn't figure that the van was actually on a bread run to all different prisons around Sydney. Now, you see, living the life how we want to, living in accordance with what our sinful nature desires, it's, it's really, it might seem like it's cushy. You know? It might seem like it's just, you know, that's great. It feels great. It's what I want to do. But it's just going from a prison cell to prison cell Locking the door behind us and throwing away the key. It's, it's just silly to think, well, you know, that would actually be good. You see, what the world says is really living is, is doing whatever you want. But we're just going from prison cell to prison cell. It's going back to slavery. But as sons of God through Jesus, as children of God who has a heavenly Father, we have God's Holy Spirit living us pointing us to what Jesus has won. So what will that look like for the way that we live as people who've been won great freedom through Jesus? What will it look like specifically? Well, the answer there, you may have noticed it, verse 22, fruit. It's an interesting way to put it. What does it look like for us to live in freedom that Jesus has won for us, to not be enslaved by the law? Fruit. I've got nothing against fruit. I love fruit. It's a strange way of saying, you know, here's what it looks like specifically. And we're to be fruity. Not in the crazy kind of fruity sense, but this is, this is good fruit. This is fruit that comes from living from the inside out. And often we can just kind of read through those. This, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. We can just kind of skim past them, can't we? See... This is what it looks like to live in the freedom that God has won us through Jesus. We're to keep in step with the Spirit. And so living in freedom that Jesus has won for us is keeping in step with the Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit actually takes shape. It's living from the inside out. And Paul deliberately uses the singular word there, fruit. I'm not sure if his English teacher will be very happy. Really, it should be, shouldn't it read, but the fruits of the Spirit are joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, he actually uses a singular fruit, karpos, intentionally. Uh, it really, he does that because all those things are meant to be seen as one. They're all symmetrical. You know, sometimes we say, I, uh, I love people, but gee, I find it hard when they really get on my nerves and so I just get angry with them, so I need to grow in that. No, no, no. This is all one. It's all meant to be seen as one, the fruit of the Spirit. Sure, there's going to be different seasons for each of these, but they're all to be symmetrical. And they're worth looking at Closely, because we can rush through them. The fruit of the Spirit is love, to serve a person for their good, not what they do for you, is joy, delight in God for the beauty of who He is, peace, uh, confidence and rest in Him, in God, patience, face trouble without blowing up, kindness, the ability to serve others practically in a, a way where I put my needs before others. Goodness, integrity, they're the same person in all situations. Faithfulness, 
reliable and true to your word, you know, the opposite of being a friend only when you want to be. Humility, being self-absorbed, self-control, where we pursue the important over the urgent rather than being impulsive and uncontrolled. I encourage you, when you go home this afternoon, uh, turn open again to Galatians chapter 5 and think, you know, all of these are the fruit. They're one. It's all meant to be symmetrical. What is the, the piece of the fruit that's lacking in my life? How do I need to keep in step with the Spirit to live from the inside out, to live in the freedom that Jesus won for us? Not by living under the burden of the law, but living from the inside out. Often when I go walking with Jasmine and the girls, I'm a bit OCD, with obsessive compulsive disorder. I always want to make sure that we're walking in the same step. Okay? And sometimes if there's a, you know, a crack in the footpath, I've got to jump over it because you know, don't step on the crack, you break your mother's back kind of thing. I always make sure that I'm walking in step. And it's an OCD thing, obsessive compulsive disorder. That's right. Really, what Paul is saying that to live in the freedom that we've been won through Jesus, not being enslaved anymore by the law of Moses, but keeping in step with the Spirit, it's living from the inside out, it's letting the Spirit do His work in us as we look at God's Word, as the Spirit works through us, through the Bible, His sword. And as we ask God to help us, please help me to live in step with the Spirit, help me to live in the freedom that You've won for us in Jesus. Let's pray that we would. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's so easy for us to skim over that section of your word. We just kind of rush through looking at the fruit of the Spirit and think that we've got it all together. Father, we know that uh, there's a a battle going on between our own nature, wanting us to do what we want, and uh, your Spirit working in us. Father, we pray that we would keep in step uh, with your Spirit. We pray that we would allow him to do a great work in us as we read your word and we pray that your spirit would take up your word, the sword and cut us deep to change us to be more like Jesus and to help us remember to live in the great freedom that's been won for us through his death and resurrection and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.